Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside. Come inside. Uh, it is uh, time for the Mainland Podcast, everybody, and uh, thanks for being with us. It is episode number 94. I am Michael Citro. With me, as always, Dave Rowe. Dave, how are we doing this week? We Well, we're doing as good as we can. Uh, you know, uh, it may not have been the best weekend uh, that we could have all hoped for results-wise, but uh, we are here. We are still kicking, and uh, there's plenty to look forward to, so I'm going to go with that. It was like a bad Christmas this past weekend with all the ties we were getting. Uh, OCB, the Pride, and the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, just tie after tie after tie. It was the worst Christmas ever. Uh, and that on the heels of an Orlando City loss that we both predicted uh, last did. week on this very program. Now, um, the... Uh, not as, not, we didn't predict it quite as bad. Well, but. <laughs> you know, and we'll talk about that. The MLS yeah. team the MLS team is now in its Gold Cup uh, hiatus, uh, which will take place until uh, next week. And then, uh, you know, then there'll be a, a home and home against the, uh, the new expansion team, Atlanta United. Uh, but uh, the Gold Cup will still be going on. It'll be, you know... Group stages will end, and it'll be time for knockout round stuff. So there's a, a chance still for this uh, tournament, this international tournament, to affect Major League Soccer. And of course, today, uh, being the day we record this on July 10th, uh, it's not this this podcast not going to land until the 12th um, around uh, lunchtime. But uh, on the 10th, we are we're now in the transfer window. So there's a lot going on and a lot to talk about. So let's dive right into it. Don't want to get too much caught up into Wednesday night's game against Toronto FC at home. Uh, only the second loss uh, at Orlando City Stadium in MLS play for uh, the Lions. But uh, the thing was, we both predicted 2-1. It was 3-1. But I, people are going to kill me for this. But I didn't think Orlando City played that poorly. They just couldn't uh, capitalize on offensive opportunities. And, um, you know, had a little bit of that, that same kind of, of lack of sharpness in the final third. And I also thought that uh, Toronto, for being missing some of their players at the back, I thought their defense played very, very well. They played a very tightly organized three lines very close together. I felt like they needed Carlos Rivas' speed to kind of break that up. And I think that we saw that in the second half when Rivas came on. I thought that the, the chances started to come more often. And uh, yep. we became more dangerous and scored the only goal uh, that Orlando City scored was after that happened. In fact, it was Rivas himself. Um, but two teams coming on in on short rest and, and having come back from the road, it was always going to be important to score that first goal. But unfortunately, it was Toronto FC that scored the first goal. Well, and, and, you know, when we did our predictions, uh, I predicted uh, Giovinco was going to get uh, both of their goals. You predicted that Josie would get one and Giovinco get, would get one, and we uh, we were both sort of right. Um, <laughs> Giovinco did indeed get two goals, and Josie did indeed get a goal. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was – there was and, – and if you go back and you look at those goals, it was, um, you know, well played by them. You know, um, maybe the back line, you know, getting caught out of position – just a hair, but it's some of it was just well played by Toronto. Um, so, and, and those two, I mean, they score goals. That is what they do. Um, you know, Giovinco is uh, one of the best. And of course, Josie's, you know, uh, you know, we've often, often said that, you know, he's a lot of people think he's lazy, but yeah, uh, you know, whatever he, the man scores goals. So, I mean, you know, and we both predicted that they, you know, they would indeed score goals and they did. So, 
Uh, I think you're right that once Rivas came in, it, it did start to open up. Uh, he played like a man possessed when he hit the field. Um, I mean, he definitely changed the entire, um, you know, feel of the game uh, on the field. It was, um, you know, he brought in energy. I mean, it, it was, you could almost see he personally wanted to go out there and win the game, you know, all by his lonesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, just because of the, the effort that he was giving, which... Um, I thought it was great. And, um, you know, we've just, just <clears throat> excuse me, discussed before that he's not an, he doesn't need to be an off the bench player, but whenever he does come off, off the bench, he usually plays really well. So, um, I think, I think we can look to that. Um, you know, Toronto was going to be a tough haul, uh, regardless, you know, that, which is why, you know, we both predicted it. And, and I have friends that always hate it when we predict a loss, but, um, you know, we call it how we see it's going to happen. And unfortunately, we were we were mostly right. Uh, but um, we do have the uh, we do have the, the transfer window break, you know, for the, in the Gold Cup. And so there's time for uh, the team to pull things back together, figure some stuff out and, uh, you know, move forward. Yeah, a lot of people call us homers, but, you know, <laughs> uh, so I guess we're doing something right if people are complaining when we when we pick them and when we don't pick them. So uh, the thing about the, the game to me was this, the there just doesn't seem to be a an answer for Giovinco on this team. I mean, the the, the team as a whole just doesn't seem to have it. I, I think that Tommy Redding would have been a good option if he was, uh, you know, in the lineup to maybe uh, match. Uh, Giovinco a little bit. He's a little bit more mobile, uh, but I think that he struggled a bit with plantar fasciitis, and I think probably the fact that he didn't even make the 18 was a little bit telling. Um, so he, you know, he may be uh, bothered by that foot right now, and so he wasn't in there. We had Jose Aja, which I don't know about you know my mentions blow up with how bad Jose Aja is, and and I really think that he made a couple of mistakes in the game. But I go back to the first goal and I look at it and I think uh, it was I think a moment of just being tired from Will Johnson that kind of affected that whole play. They had Giovinco had found some space between the midfield and the back line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Servando Carrasco kind of stepped up a little late uh, and didn't really pressure the passer. And that enabled him to have the time to find Giovinco and, and hit him with a very solid pass, uh, hit him right in stride. And, and you know, has, had Will shaded over to, to that side, uh, Carrasco would have been back further and, and ha- would have been protecting that territory sort of. And then Jose got kind of caught up, you know, you see a guy like Giovinco flashing into space and, you know, you can't help but want to cut him off and, and do something. And so, you know, a little bit of youthful exuberance by the Uruguayan. He steps in and tries to uh, tries to match him, but it, he stepped too late. It was, you know, once Giovinco's got a step on you, he's won the race. I mean, there's nothing you can do but, but trail him. And Nocherino wasn't going to catch up with him. Uh, he doesn't have the pace to do that either. So it really left Spectre in a bad spot because Spectre – uh, was in the space where Giovinco was running toward, and yet <laughs> Aha's uh, departure from his area gave uh, Josie the opening. And, and you know, about seven times out of ten, the, 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 the goal scorer is going to take that shot. Giovinco's not the typical goal scorer. He saw, he had the vision to see Josie and, and put the ball in behind for an easy goal. So, um, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a momentary lapse. But against Toronto, you can't have momentary lapses. And um, people say, well, they were missing a bunch of guys. They were missing Raheem Edwards and Stephen Betashore and this guy and that guy. But 
hey, this team's got Giovinco, Josie, Vasquez, and Bradley. That's all they need. That's all they need to score goals. <laughs> you know, it's not these are not uh, these are not average MLS players. These are top 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 of the line guys, and it's. It's a chore. You, you really can't make a mistake. And I think Orlando City made a couple of mistakes, and they paid for every single one they made. Um, exactly. Josie continues to go down easily and get calls, and we, we saw uh, that haunt the team with uh, Giovinco rattling the uh, crossbar on the first one and then scoring on the second one an unstoppable shot. Uh, I, those are the kind of things that I see him miss by 10 yards against other teams. But against us, he can't miss. The guy cannot miss. It's, well, it's disgusting. The, the <laughs> idea that Josie goes down that easy. I mean, it, it's a, it's an ongoing knowing joke at this point for anybody that watches uh, that the man that that is that big. I mean, let's let's face it. Dude works out. OK, so the idea that he's he's going that unless he's got little teeny tiny ankles or something like when that. And he wants to stay up. He's brutally strong. He's got a, a lot right. of strength. Uh, he's very good at drawing fouls, and he yes. he knows that, and he does it, and the refs continue to reward him for doing it. Uh, but on the other end, you don't see Kyle Laren getting those calls, and of course, Jason Christ famously uh, boiled up over after after the press conference. You know, we were getting ready to be done. It was the last question. We were done, and then as we were starting to get up, Jason says, you know, nobody asked me about this, but... I'm a little bit tired of this officiating because we're not getting calls at home that we should be getting. And we, you know, we feel like the away team when we're away and we come home, we still feel like the away team. And I think, um, you know, after a loss like that, it's easy to say, well, sour grapes and, oh, well, the officiating uh, didn't, didn't, wasn't the reason you lost. And he never said it was, but I can sense his frustration because he's absolutely right, Dave. I mean, this team has gotten... Uh, how many penalty kicks has the team given up versus how many it's been awarded? It's the same uh, for the pride as well. But, uh, you know, it's it, it's just ridiculous. Week after week, you see guys going down at the top of the box and getting free kicks right above our box. But when Kyle Aaron gets knocked down, there's no call. There's no sure. it's it's a get up, get up. Sure. Maybe they just hate Canadians. Get up, you stupid Canadian. There was well, if that's the case, then you know, <laughs> then Toronto is a Canadian team. I understand there's a bunch of Americans on it, but still. Yeah. But regardless, uh, that was not a one-game frustration from from coach. That is ongoing. That right. was that was the the straw that broke uh, Jason Christ's back on that one. He uh, it, 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 so much so, like you said, that nobody even asked. And he's like, hey, nobody asked. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that he 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 brought it up himself um, speaks volumes about. Like I say, that was not a one-game thing. That was an ongoing every time at home. Uh, Kyle Aaron not getting calls, and yeah. and you know, and we've spoke. I mean, we've been saved by the woodwork a couple times, but we've also how many times have we hit the woodwork? I mean, it's a lot there's, of times. There's a lot. It's it's we end up speaking about it every week. And this team's um, not a this team's a, a pretty decent set piece team. So those set pieces not getting those is a is a big problem because uh, you know if you're allowed to just chop the guy down, uh, you're just going to chop the guy down. If you if you're chopping him down and getting calls and we're getting uh, scoring chances out of that, then you're not going to chop him down as much. So you know that's the kind of thing that builds up over the course of the season. He also referred to Kaká getting the handball, whereas there's been 
there have been at least four opportunities this season to call a handball on Orlando City opponents in the box, and and they haven't been called. So it's really – I see where he's coming from. Yeah, it might be a little bit tactical to to take a little bit of the the heat off the players and maybe, um, you know, show that he's got their backs and that kind of thing, and that all plays into it. But, you know, when you look at the guy in the eye when he's talking to you – uh, he's not a Hollywood actor. He's 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 a coach, and he's coming off as extremely sincere and and frustrated in with what he's saying, and it's just not, you know, you it's it's not sour grapes. It's it's something that you he obviously is has been on his mind for quite some time, and it's it was out of character uh, from what we've seen of him since he's come to Orlando City for him to to just stop and say, you know what. I could just get off this platform and go back into my lock in my office and, and get ready for the next game. But I got something I want to say here. <laughs> and, right. and, you know, nobody asked him. He just volunteered that. And then there were a couple of follow up questions that he was gracious uh, enough to answer because uh, it, it was like, whoa, he just dropped a bomb. We got to talk about this a little bit. <laughs> and uh, so there were a couple of follow up questions. And, uh, and you know, he. I, I sat there and I kind of nodded because almost everything he said was is something that we've said mm-hmm. on this podcast. We've written about on the yep. site. Um, it, we've tweeted about it during games. How how you know this is somehow this isn't called or somehow that's called when this isn't. And you know it's it it is it's difficult enough when you're, when you're not getting results, but when you're not getting results and you're not getting those calls, it it does kind of feel like everything's against you. And, and certainly there are bigger uh, issues and other problems that need to be addressed. Uh, They need to get back to playing with the energy they played with at the beginning of the season and that kind of thing. And and Jason Christ addressed that as well. Um, You know, he wasn't a one trick pony uh, type of a presser, but. um, Well, as a matter of fact, he addressed all of those other things first. Exactly. You know, these are the kinds of things he wanted to work on uh, in the break. He wanted to give a couple guys, you know, give the guys a, a few days to get away, relax and get some rest with the exception of the guys that haven't been playing. They actually went out and played for OCB. Some of them. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, he he wanted guys to get their mind cleared, get their bodies healed up and then come back and focus and re you know, get back to what they were doing at the beginning of the year. And, and this team was a team that was getting good results and playing very good soccer at the beginning of the year. And they can get back to that. And there's no reason to think that, you know, that those, that the way that this team started the season was a fluke of any kind. I mean, it, it's no more a fluke than the losing streak is. It's, it's the team is you, I think the famous quote is you are what your record says you are. So that means that this team is currently a playoff team, but not among the, the elite teams in the in the conference. And, and that's that would be a fair assessment at this point in the season. But like you said, it doesn't mean that they can't, uh, you know, if they can find what they had at the beginning of the season, there's no reason why they can't climb up in the standings and, and, and get up there. And, you know, there's it's entirely possible that they can beat a Toronto, um, you know, calls have to go our way uh you know there can't be breakdowns i'm not you know they may have to play a a, a more perfect game than than not but it, mm-hmm. it's they, they there's there's certainly nobody that they they can't on a good day beat in right. this league eight games against toronto they have one win it's coincidentally the only time against toronto they've scored more than one goal if you only score one goal against toronto you don't normally beat them no. uh, the best you're going to usually do is a draw and i would say 
that in the three years against Toronto, the two games that they played this year were the best they've played against Toronto in the three of the three seasons. And yet they didn't have a single point to show for it. Um, they didn't play great last Wednesday, but they played mostly pretty good and they were at home and all they had to do was convert a couple chances uh, and they would have been right in that game. And, and of course, giving up a goal uh, early, then giving up a goal in the first minute after halftime, neither of those was, uh, was ideal. Uh, no. You know, the, the Giovinco free kick, you know, that it is what it is. But on the other hand, if you score a couple of goals before that, then that doesn't hurt you nearly as much. And then, of course, when they were at Toronto, really should have won that game. So yeah. if you look at it, they're they're getting there. But Toronto is a few years ahead of Orlando City. And mm-hmm. and clearly uh, they've they've got they're gelling very well right now. They you know, people are talking about Chicago, but I still think Toronto might be the best team in the league this year. So uh, we'll move on. We get a couple of games against Atlanta, which is another dynamic uh, attacking team. Uh, but it's a team that if you can possess the ball, and that's something that I know that uh, the team is being, uh, you know, is, is, is that's being driven into the team during this break, control the ball, you can get at Atlanta's defense. You can get at right. them. So, uh, you know, it's an, it's an opportunity. And, it, and these are going to be crucial games in the playoff race because these are two teams that are right uh, a point apart, I think, uh, in the standings. So uh, very, very important that Orlando City has uh, at least gets the home win. And uh, maybe, uh, you know, anything they get on the on the road would be uh, a bonus. So um, we'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, that's, uh, you know, a few days away yet. Uh, Dave, uh, you're, you're Toronto man of the match. We've got to do that. Uh, man of the match has got to be uh, uh, Carlos. Uh, just, you know, the energy that he brought, obviously, you know, scoring the goal. But, um, you know, he changed the entire dynamic of, of, of the match once he uh, came on the field. So, uh, for me, it was very obvious. Um, it's I, 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 I do want to, you know, make an honorable mention that Kaká seemed to have found his his legs again after the, the previous game and, and, and looked like he was awake. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, no, uh, for me, it, it, it has to be Carlos. Yeah, if anybody thinks that uh, Kaká is is uh, old and broken down and lazy, then I don't know what they watched last Wednesday night because he busted his tail last week. Yep. And just, you know, at times he wasn't getting the support he needed. Um, you know, there were a few guys that were missing in action. I mean, there you didn't see a whole lot from Giles Barnes. You didn't see a whole lot from a few other guys. Uh, did Just didn't have it on the night. But I, I thought Kaká brought it. And, if, in fact, um you know, another assist for Ricky. So old man Rick getting mm-hmm. another uh, another helper, uh, setting up the goal. He had a couple other opportunities that he set up um, that could have been goals. I think he had five key passes, I think it was. And that would be yeah. probably a season high and, and maybe a high for his time in, in Orlando for one game. So, I mean, if you get five key passes in a game against Toronto uh, from Kaká, you expect to score more than one goal. So I thought Ricky was not a problem. I thought he played a very good game. I've heard a lot of complaining about him this year, and a lot of it's warranted, but I don't think it was against Toronto. I think he played very well against Toronto, and uh, I think he was only dispossessed once. He had a very high passing rate. Uh, Just a good night for the captain. In fact, I'll give him my man of the match. Uh, You'll give yours to Carlos, and uh, so the two together uh, created the one goal. So I think that that pretty much covers it. (laughs) There you go. 
Alright, so um, let's uh, turn our attention to the aforementioned uh, other guys that got some playing time. Uh, Rafael Ramos uh, was the best of times. It was the worst of times for Rafael Ramos. He got to play against Toronto, went on uh, in the second half for Scott Sutter. Uh, I heard people complain about that move, but, I mean, you could tell Scott Sutter was out of gas. So mm -hmm. uh, Rafael Ramos coming on, I thought helped jumpstart the right side of the of the offense a little bit. I thought the right side of the attack was a little bit more dynamic after Ramos came on. I thought Sutter was good early, uh, but the, you know his crosses weren't connecting. I, the people weren't getting in the box. Kyle Aaron was getting tackled. You know whatever you want to say, but uh, I thought you know that sub it was a good good move by Christ, who doesn't like to sub out defenders uh, to spot the fact that he had a, a guy that wasn't. Uh, able to go 100% anymore after uh, you know going at uh, Salt Lake City at uh, at altitude and coming back on short rest. So getting Ramos in there was was pretty big uh, in terms of of saving him. But then Ramos goes out uh, this weekend, played very very well for OCB against the Pittsburgh Riverhounds in a nil nil draw. Uh, but he did his hamstring again, Dave. Uh, another four weeks for uh, Rafael Ramos. Uh, with a grade one uh, strain of the hammy. And uh, those glass hamstrings just are not getting better for some reason. They're just continue to be a problem. And you got to feel bad for the kid. Oh, you you can't help but just almost cry for the man. I mean, just the, you know, to, to come back, have a couple appearances, and then, okay, you know, let's get him some playing time, put him down with OCB, let him, and then to, for that to happen. I mean, it's just... It's heartbreaking. It really is because he is such a good guy, a team player, and nobody hustles more than he does. And for that to happen, I mean, just uh, it, 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 it breaks your heart. It does. And I don't know. I'm wondering if he's just too lean or what's going on. You know, does he just have uh, not enough body fat? What's going on with that hamstring? Why does it keep being a problem? Can, does he need to eat a pizza every once in a while? Um, <laughs> you know, he put a little bit little bit of surround that muscle with a little bit of fat or something i don't know mm -hmm. uh i'm not a i'm not a uh you know you're not a professional trainer yeah i'm not a trainer i'm not a medical <laughs> specialist of any kind uh obviously if you look at me you could tell that in about five <laughs> seconds but um yeah it's it, it's it's bad i mean he had the best play of the night uh for ocb he curled in a gorgeous pass that haji berry should have scored on but of course right. he hit the post because this is orlando city and he hit the post, yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh against the river Hounds team that you know people complained about that game too because people complain when you don't get wins and heck people complain when you do get wins around here but um the pittsburgh game was uh a team that parked the bus they parked the bus looking for a point and to get something off the counter and they did get they got exactly what they wanted they got uh they parked the bus they got the shutout and they had a couple of good opportunities at the end on counterattacks um to uh to get the the win and uh you know just uh, good good fortune for ocb to be able to withstand those counters uh bad a little bit of bad luck uh, uh for haji berry hitting the post uh richie larea played you know speaking of some of the guys that have been with the mls team uh, leo Pereira played so uh, mm -hmm. and some of those guys have not played 90 minutes in a long time so you know toward the end of that game they were sucking some wind but uh you know another point for ocb uh you know, the team did what it is there to do, which was to get minutes for some of the MLS guys. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in the meantime, 
you know, you still saw some some really good quality from some of those kids, and 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 I, I thought it was a pretty good game overall. But uh, Pittsburgh was just very organized. They defended very well. They defended in numbers. Uh, Eleven men behind the ball just about every time Orlando had the ball. So it, it was always going to be very difficult. It was going to take a real um, special play to, to, to break through. And Orlando came close a few times, but just couldn't quite do it. So uh, a nil-nil draw for OCB. And uh, now they will play in the I-4 Derby on Thursday against Tampa Bay Rowdies. And we're all looking forward to that, as we always do. Um, although, eh. I guess we're gonna have to see who uh, who who uh, makes the uh, makes the starting eleven on that one, and mm-hmm. um, you know how many MLS guys are down there. And uh, oh, I, I think we'll see so, some. I, I think we'll see all. I the, think we will too. I think we'll see all the guys we saw. Tony Rocha got forty-five yep. minutes. Um, I think. Well, we'll we won't see, see Rafa. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we won't see we won't see Rafa Ramos, but we'll see. We'll probably see Pereira. We might see Redding. Um, yep. we'll, we'll see some guys Richie. that, you know, yeah, Richie Larea, Haji Berry, we're going to see those guys and it's going yep. to be interesting to welcome back Luke Bowden and, uh, mm-hmm. Martin Patterson, uh, for, for the Tampa Bay Rowdies as they come here to, uh, to reignite the I-4 Derby. Should be a fun game. I hope we get a good crowd for that. Only a thousand, just over a thousand for Saturday for Pittsburgh, uh, which is a little bit unfortunate because Orlando City. Um, season ticket holders were able to get into that game for free and uh, still was a very low attended game. Now the weather did suck. It was delayed uh, due to lightning and it rained quite a bit. So uh, it's understandable, but it it would be nice to see, you know, crowd of 5,000. I don't think for the I four Derby is too much to ask for a home game, but uh, we'll see how the the fans come out for this one. I hope they do well. I mean, it's a, it's a weeknight game. So again, it's going to be a tough one, but uh, we'll see. Uh, the Pride went to Washington, or actually Maryland, and uh, played uh, against the Washington Spirit this weekend. And uh, lo and behold, another tie. Uh, they were going for the third straight win on the road. Uh, they got to the what, the 90th minute yeah. <laughs> with the lead, and then they didn't win uh, because of a penalty. Uh, Tony Presley called for a, a foul in the box on Christy Mewis. Kind of a soft penalty. There was some contact, but still kind of soft. Uh, from the referee's vantage, uh, he decided that it looked like a penalty. And Orlando also got a penalty in that game. So you knew they were going to get one. It didn't even matter if there was a foul call. They were at some point that was always coming back the other way. So, um, you know, Marta's... they would have had to, they would have all had to simply have gotten out of the way of everybody else and let them take a shot on goal to not right. have a penalty. Right. So Marta scores first uh, from the penalty spot uh, on a foul when Camilla was knocked down in the box. Um, it could ar- it could be argued that was a soft penalty as well, uh, but maybe it was more of a penalty than the one later in the game. Um, right. Then uh, we, you know, our guest tonight gave the ball away <laughs> uh, and uh, Mallory Pugh uh, was able to uh, score to tie the game. And, and Mal Pugh is a, is a player. Uh, that uh, was not on the spirit the last time the two teams played, and so was the player that stole the ball from Kristen Edmonds, and that is Steph- Stefania uh, Benini scored, mm-hmm. uh, took the ball away. Nice pass uh, to uh, shoot. I forget who she passed to, but the, then the second pass was to Pew, and Pew did a nice job of cutting back and using a defender as a screen and uh, and just sneaking one inside the post to make it 1-1. So that's how the first half ended but i think it's it's fair to say the pride played 
a really, really good game in this match and, and probably deserved more than the one point. Uh, Marta scored in the run of play to make it 2-1 and uh, nearly scored on a, ha- a midfield chip uh, mm-hmm. that she launched and it beat the keeper. Stephanie LeBay could not reach it, but it was about three feet wide of the net. It was, it would have been the goal of the year probably for the pride, but uh, unfortunately that did not go in. A couple of other really good opportunities went, uh, went wanting. And then uh, that penalty in the, in the last minute of regulation uh, allowed Mallory Pugh to step up and make it two two. So Marta a brace, Mallory Pugh a brace. And, uh, it's just a point. Pride don't get a third straight road win, but a pretty good road record for the Pride this year. Yeah, it's, it's hard to be too upset about that, given, you know, we've talked about how, you know, uh, front-loaded in a bad way the, the schedule was for, for the Pride. And, and so to, to, to be able to do that, despite the fact that we would have rather had the win and, and you know, Marta getting the brace, which, uh, you know, how how – good has that acquisition been so far this year? I mean, she's leading, you know, she's how many goals so far is it? Uh, she now has eight, eight goals. Eight. And that is a team record for a right. single season. So every goal she scores from here on out extends her club record. Right. So yeah, she has set the, set the record <laughs> with seven and then made it eight. And so, you know, having her up there is, is obviously been fantastic. Um, uh, of course, Alex Morgan made her return as well, and uh, you know, uh, or her starting return, I should say. And um, you know, no, she didn't play the uh, the, the full ninety. Um, she's still working her way back in. But uh, um, you know, I, I think that uh, that's the, that's the final pieces coming together. I think it, a little bit of a if if we can have a, an inch or two here or there in regards to to, to the woodwork uh, finally go. Uh, our way, not just for the pride, but every team that's wearing purple. Um, you know, I think there's some good things ahead. So uh, I do want to mention Bledsoe's uh, save in the uh, first half uh, to to keep the score tied. Um, you know, it was a, a fantastic um, uh, uh, save against uh, Huster. And mm-hmm. so, um, yep, Tori you know, Huster is her uh, was her high school teammate. Oh, really? Yeah, Cincinnati. Well, then I guess, well, that explains how she knew where she was going. Yeah, so uh, Tori Huster uh, comes in. She was uh, just made an incredible run from the midfield, and what a pass to pick her out. Uh, mm-hmm. was launched forward uh, by Maggie Doherty-Howard, and it was just an incredibly well-timed play. And uh, she gets in behind the defense, and uh, Bledsoe comes off her line, gets big, makes a great save. Go vote for it for NWSL Save of the Week on Twitter. Uh, so that would be that'd be nice. Also, Marta's uh, goal in the run of play is up for goal of the week for NWSL as well. So, uh, so vote for that one too. Vote early, vote often, as we like to say. So yeah, it's funny because uh, Marta, being uh, who she is and one of the great of great players of all time, it's funny because I've read so many of these mid-season accolade lists and the M- mid-season MVP, and everybody's talking about Sam Kerr and Megan Rapino and Kristen Press all having very good seasons. Marta not getting any press, despite the fact that she's right there in the golden boot race and leads the entire league in chances created. So that's kind of curious. And hasn't been there since the start of the season. Yeah, and didn't miss the first couple of games. So, um, you know, it's it's a little unfortunate. But, I, you know, I'd kind of rather 
be flying under the weather or under the radar at this point. And then, uh, you know, Alex Morgan just got her first start. I thought she showed flashes of being the old Alex Morgan, but, you know, mm-hmm. not quite there yet. Uh, she admitted after the game that she she was feeling it really bad in the second half that she's not 90 minute uh match fit yet i'm glad they took her out before she could do her hamstring again and (laughs) uh you know it was good it was good she got out there got got some chances she had uh, she had a really good opportunity but uh chioma ubogagu didn't give her the ball until she was well offside and then for some reason when she was obviously offside she passed her the ball it really ruined a a, a, an ah i would say one of the best scoring chances of the game they were I believe right. uh, I believe they're going to be two on two there, and uh, you know you like the chances when you got Alex Morgan uh, sure. in that situation. But uh, yeah, she held the ball too long and then just telegraphed the pass, and you know was a pretty easy step for the Washington Spirit defensive line to to uh, to put Alex well offside, and then she passed it anyway. And it's like okay, well, guess we're not. Uh, guess that chance just went bye bye. But uh, <laughs> you know, anyway. Uh, not a bad result. I mean, people will look at Washington where they are in the in the table, and they'll they'll complain and say, "Well, last place team, we should we should easily be able to beat them." There's no such thing as easy wins in the NWSL, especially on the road. Look at the nope. Houston Dash. Just a few weeks ago, people were complaining that Orlando lost to the Houston Dash, and now the Dash are are playing very well. In fact, the Portland Thorns needed a, a last gasp just to tie them uh, the other day. So, um, you know. Don't sleep on anybody because anybody in this league can uh, can win. There's a lot of talent in this league. It's you know I liken it to when you have a um, you know you're on a fantasy football league that's got eight teams. Everybody's got a loaded team, right? right. Because all the star yep. players are all you know on at, at every position. So all the best players are at every position. And, you know, some days it's going to be your day and other days it's going to be somebody else's day. So you really got to bring it every week. And uh, let's talk to somebody who brings it every week. Uh, That's our guest this week, uh, Kristen Edmonds of the Orlando Pride. We'll get to her right after this. All right. Joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast, uh, very happy to have with us from the Orlando Pride, Kristen Edmonds. Kristen, thanks for being on the podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. So uh, it's been an interesting year for you, uh, Kristen. You um, you obviously last year, you know, six goals and um, come into this year, started out in the midfield, and now you've been moved to right back. And I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, on how the transition's going and, um, you know, what your thoughts are on, on where you'd rather play on the field. Um, yeah, I mean, last year, um, obviously, um, my stats were a lot higher than this year um, so far, and uh, playing in the center of the, uh, of the midfield allowed me to get forward a lot more. Um, but, you know, we have a lot of great players this year, and Tom thought that my best spot on the field would be outside back, which is actually um, more natural for me because I'm – um, more comfortable on the outside of the field rather than in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I can play anywhere on the field, but obviously, like, wherever Tom wants to put me and thinks that I'll be best is where I'm going to go um, because the team is way more important than me as an individual. So, um, I mean, I don't have the stats this year, but we have a ton of people scoring goals, a ton of people getting assists, and, you know, our um, record right now isn't showing it, but I think that we're gelling a lot better this year than we were last year as a team. So that's what's more important. Well, and Michael and I on the podcast have talked many times about how the uh, the schedule is is 
going to line up nicely for you all uh, going into the second half of the season. Um, yeah. You know, how are how are your feelings as far as uh, going forward? Where do you you know where do you think the opportunities are? Uh, I mean, obviously, traveling um, is very um, hard on the body, and it's hard to play so many away games in the first half of the season. But um, you know, coming away with any points in the first half of the season was a plus for us, especially on the road. Um, but being able to have so many games at home, you know, be able to play in front of our fans, we don't travel as much. I think we'll be easier on our bodies and mentally as well, just knowing that we get to play in front of our fans for most of the second half of the season is definitely going to help us. And we're in a good spot on the table. You know, we've dropped some crucial points in the past couple of weeks, but we're still in the hunt for that playoff spot, which is our goal at the end of the season. You know, we want to be in the top four to be able to get a, um, a playoff game um, and then hopefully get into the championship. So the second half of the season um, is looking good for us, and hopefully being able to play at home will uh, be another positive and help us get some crucial three points in these next couple of games. Now, Kristen, one thing we got to see from you last year was your um... – your technical ability on uh, on set pieces, we have not seen that as much this year with, with Camilla and Marta coming in and also earlier in the season uh, some chances for Laura Alloway and, and even Tony Presley has taken some. Uh, how are those decided? Do you guys uh, talk as a group? Does Tom Sermani kind of dictate who's going to take those? You know, How do you determine who's going to take those set pieces and when can we see more from you? Um, yeah, I mean, well, Marta and Camilla, you know, are, are – two of the best players. Marta is one of the best players in the world. And Camilla is young, but she can definitely become one of the best players in the world. She's got the potential for that. Um, and they're both great players. And you know Tony and Laura, they're um, outside, a little bit outside of a shooting range for um, somebody like me would be in shooting range for them because they're a little bit stronger than I am. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we've, we've worked on those in practice a little bit. Um, obviously, if Marta and Camilla uh, want to take the free kicks, you know, we're going to be confident in them. Whoever's taking the free kicks, um, we're going to be confident in whoever steps up to the ball. And I don't know, maybe I'll take a couple in the second half of the season, but we'll see what happens. It's funny that we, we mentioned, you know, set pieces like that because given the, the recent uh, – uh, penalty woes that have, have uh, plagued the team, um, you know, like you said, losing out on some crucial three points. Uh, it, I'm, I'm not a big fan of conspiracy theories, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I think the refs are, you know, we have a saying pro going to pro. And, you know, so uh, do you think that's, um, do you think there's anything bigger or is it just kind of a, a, a weird bad luck thing? I honestly think it's a little bit of bad luck for us, you know, um, the first couple games, we had two handballs as PKs. I mean, that's just really unfortunate. Um, a couple calls, you know, were questionable, but whatever the ref's decision is, we have to live with it. And then a, um, a couple of PKs we gave away were just um, mistakes on our part, you know. So um, it was a little unfortunate this half of the season. We gave away quite a few PKs, but hopefully going to the second half, um, we won't have to put the refs in a, in a – to have to make a decision, PK or no PK. So we're definitely going to look to improve on on the PK point of the game. <laughs> <laughs> now, over the last few weeks, you guys have had um, 
you've really played actually quite well. Just uh, haven't gotten a bounce yeah. here or there, and, and some of the results right. haven't quite been, uh, you know, what what your you know your play has probably uh, earned on the field. Um, uh, you know, you you went up to uh, uh, you know on the road here uh, just this past weekend to the Spirit, um, a, a team that I think people look at the standings and say, oh, they're in last place, we should beat them, but they have a very organized defense that has played together as a unit pretty much for a couple of years now almost, and um, yeah. a very very difficult team to break down, and, and just like the Chicago Red Stars, very very difficult team to break down. Um, you were not able to get goals against the Red Stars, which is has kind of been the theme. Is I think three games, <laughs> three one nil losses. But uh, you go up against the Spirit and against a pretty good defense that I think had had two straight home shutouts. Uh, were able to get two goals, but uh, just not quite to able to to shut things down on the other end. Now, I, I know that their first goal came on a, a turnover. Un, unfortunately, you had passed and Benini had stepped in and t- took that away. How, how do you respond on the field? after something like that happens, how do you put it out of your mind and just get on with the game? Yeah, I mean, everybody's going to make mistakes, and you just have to erase it from your memory right away. As soon as I gave the ball away, I tried to recover, and um, as soon as they scored, I knew that that was 100% my fault. Um, But, you know, you just have to get it out of your mind. It's a 1-1 game at that point, and there's still plenty of time in the game, you know, to come back from that. So, I mean, everybody makes mistakes. Some... Some lead to goals, some don't. But um, yeah, you just you can't really do on it because then it's going to affect you for the rest of the game. So as soon as uh, as soon as that happened, I just had to deal with it and move on from it and continue to, to play the rest of my game. What about after the game, like at, that night in in your bed? Do you do you, does do that like haunt you, or or do you, are you able to like shrug that off? I mean, it's frustrating, definitely. But I mean, you know, we have a game coming up this weekend. So um, as soon as you you know, go through it in your mind, figure out what you could have done. You just learn from the mistake that you made, and then the next time I won't make that same one. Uh, and then it'll help me going into Saturday's match to not make that same mistake. Well, if you can if you can learn from that and move on, then always a good thing, and that's not just in soccer but in life. But uh, Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking on that end of the field, uh, obviously, you know, fairly early on, uh, Ashlyn, you know, goes down. Uh, to injury, and uh, so that has to change the the dynamic back there for you guys. And um, um, you know, Aubrey's been doing a you know an excellent job. But um, what's the difference been like for you guys um, with that switch? I mean, honestly, Aubrey's been killing it. Um, we feel just as confident with her back there as with Ashlyn back there. She's come up with some huge saves. Um, I think she's even had a save of the week. Um, this week, you know, she saved a breakaway for us. She saved a PKK for us. So, um, there's really no drop in level. You know, Aubrey came in, she stepped up, she was ready to go. So whoever's behind us, Ashlyn or Aubrey, um, we're going to put our best foot forward and try to do what we can to keep the balls out of the back of their net. Now, obviously you're, you're, they're both very high quality goalkeepers. What are some of the differences though in their personalities? Like how are they, how are they different to uh, on the field? Um, on the, on the field, um, I mean, I don't know. They're both very vocal. Um, you know, as a goalkeeper, you know, you have to be vocal with your back line and, um, help us with like players running through and things like that. And they're both very confident on the ball. Um, so, I mean, I would just say maybe some differences are off the field. Um, 
I mean, Ash is a little more outspoken in training. You know, obviously she's our captain. Um, so I, th- I think maybe that's a little bit of a difference because uh, of the experience she has and, and the role she has on our team. You know, we, we look to her not just um, for on-the-field soccer stuff, but also we look for, to her a lot to bring confidence to all of us, like in training and, um, you know, before games and stuff like that. But on the field, you know, obviously, like, they're both amazing. Aubrey stepped up. She's done an amazing job. So, I mean, we look at them the same whether Ash or Aubrey's behind us. Well, no drop-off is, is excellent. Um, looking ahead, uh, obviously, you guys have uh, are hosting uh, FC Kansas City. Um, mm-hmm. What what do you think is, you know, the key to getting all three points in that game? Um, I mean, yeah, we have all week to prepare for uh, FCKC, you know, and we're home. Uh, last time we played them, uh, we struggled a little bit uh, in the first half, kind of, but once we scored that goal, I thought that we – um, we're doing really well against them. And then really late, on, we gave away an un- unfortunate foul, and they capitalized off of that mistake. But, um, you know, going into the second half of the season, we know that it's really important for us to start winning games. Um, there's not really a- an option for us to drop any points um, coming up in these next few games to try to stay attached to that top half of the table. Um, so we're just going to use this whole week to prepare um, and – bring bring our a game for saturday in front of our home fans so we're excited to get to get this game going and try to get um three points and going in the right direction for the rest of the season now you guys have welcomed back alex morgan to the to the lineup and 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 there's been some changes uh in the lineup this year from last year how has it been uh getting uh getting reacclimated with alex and uh and uh you know obviously coming back off an injury is never an easy thing for an athlete, but uh, how, how close are we to seeing uh, Alex and the rest of the team gelling on the field? Yeah. I mean, um, having Alex back is, is amazing. You know, she's a quality player. She's a goal scorer. So we're all excited to have her back. Um, and I don't think it's going to take very long for her to gel with the team. I actually think that she kind of fits right in with us. Um, you know, her and Marta up front uh, and Camilla and Jazz and she and all of our forwards, you know, she's just going to add to their game already. Um, she's so dangerous. She could receive the ball in front, get in behind, um, and obviously she's a natural goal scorer. So we're really excited to have her back. And, um, you know, coming back from her, from her injury, she's going to be 90-minute 90, 90 game fit um, pretty soon. So being able to just have another weapon with her up top is, only going to help us, especially in this second half of the season, you know, when it's really important enough for us to pick up points. So, I mean, we missed her in the first half of the season, but she came back just in time for us. <laughs> well, and, you know, with her coming back and then, of course, you know, the team picking up Marta, uh, there does seem to be, you know, for those of us who, who are fans and follow an embarrassment of riches right now, um, you know, even with, you know, Ashlyn being out. Uh, and it seems like there's there's – something there's there's a corner that just needs to be turned or a light switch that needs to go on and that you guys will be you know up there with the best do you what 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 is that spark what is that that flick of the switch what 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 do you think it's going to be that's going to do that yeah um honestly um i don't know i mean we're so close you know i think everybody can see us you know clicking on the field 
Um, two games ago, we hit the crossbar twice and then gave away that late goal against Chicago. So we're literally inches away from, from closing some of these games out, and we're just getting really unlucky bounces, like you said. But all it's going to take is one game for us to just all gel and keep our mistakes to a minimum. And I think once we get, get that one game in, which hopefully is this weekend, then the ball will start rolling. So we're just... We're just going to keep pushing forward and keep training hard and just stay positive, and we know that the pieces will all come together. All right, Kristen, before we let you get out of here, just a, a, I got two more questions for you. One, uh, obviously sure. we talked about the we talked about the penalty kicks, and uh, the unfortunate fact of the matter is that both of the last two have been uh, a, a foul on Tony Presley. How do you as a teammate um, pick someone up uh, when something like that happens? Yeah, I mean, um, it's unfortunate that it's been Tony both times, but, you know, we know as a team that it has to get through 10 other people before it gets to Tony. And, I mean, sorry, nine other people before it gets to Tony and 10 other people before it gets to Aubrey. So, um, obviously, it's not just her fault. You know, we made mistakes for the ball to get in that position anyway. And, you know, we win as a team and we lose as a team, and we just remind everybody that that's the case, and then we just quickly move on from that. All right. And last question for you, Kristen. The... Uh, the game against FC Kansas City, what are the big challenges for you personally that you're going to have to deal with uh, this weekend? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, their forwards are really quick up top. They're dynamic. Um, they had an unfortunate loss this weekend, but I think FC Kansas City plays good soccer, and they've been they've been playing well their last few games. So, um, obviously, we have to deal with their forwards, um, and we have to take control of the midfield, and then um, just our forwards up top keep doing what they're doing and scoring goals. And I think uh, if we do all of those things and put all the pieces together for this Saturday at home, uh, we'll be able to come out on top of that game. So all we're right. ready. All right. It's good to hear. <laughs> and we're looking for some goals at home this week. We haven't had any goals at home the yeah, last couple of games. So. I know. We're looking <laughs> We're looking for some too, and, and we're going to bring them this weekend. Awesome. Kristen Edmonds of the Orlando Pride, thank you so much for being with us, and, and good luck to you not only Saturday but the, the rest of the season. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you guys having me on. All right. Well, uh, episode number 94 of the Mainland Podcast starts to wind its way down toward the end. And we want to thank Kristen Edmonds for stopping by. Dave, she's a lot of fun to talk to. Holy cow. I mean, the, the energy she brought to the podcast, I can only imagine what she brings to the field. I mean, she was fantastic. She brought all of the energy that we lack tonight. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> so that's, that's a exactly good thing. Right. Um, okay, so we usually do our Ask uh, the Mainland uh, segment in here. I think we're going to tie it into what we're going to talk about next because uh, we've got to talk about the uh, transfer window. And uh, didn't get any questions through Twitter this week. You can uh, you can always tweet us. At the Mainland is our uh, Twitter account. And uh, just use the hashtag AskTMLPC which stands for Ask the Mainland Podcast. Ask TMLPC, and uh, we'll we'll read your question on the air, and uh, we'll answer it on the air as well. So, uh, Dave, I understand you got a question uh, via the old-fashioned route. Uh, why, don't you, I, uh, why don't you ask the Mainland anything? I did. So, uh, uh, Mark Johnson asks, uh, what is Orlando City's biggest need during the summer transfer window, and how do you see them filling that need? Okay, that's a good question. I think there are two main needs for this team. I think this team needs a striker, and I think this team needs an attacking midfielder. 
Um, the midfielder will preferably be somebody that can play inside and allow Kaká to play out wide. And uh, the striker needs to be somebody that is not in the same mold as Kyle Lahren, but can do kind of kind of a hybrid between what uh, Kyle Lahren is and Carlos Rivas is. Somebody with good pace that can put the ball in the net, but is also a, 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 a player that can look to pass uh, as well as shoot. So the, I think those are the two needs. And those are not the kinds of players that grow on trees and they're not going to be cheap to come by. Uh, and there are things that are, you know, virtually every MLS team are looking for. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see how those get addressed. Uh, but I also think that this team will probably, will probably start to see a couple of guys being unloaded this transfer window uh, that aren't in the long range plans. I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a big old limb here and predict that two Lions leave this transfer window just mm-hmm. to move them on and get someone else in uh, in the lineup or in the in the 18. I, I don't know who those two are going to be, but I would not be surprised if one of them is a defensive midfielder. Wow. Okay. Um, that that is a bold prediction. Well done, Michael. Um, I agree with you as far as uh, the, the the need um, for you know attacking midfielder and uh, obviously a striker. Um, and as you said. They don't grow on trees. Um, it will be interesting. The, of course, no matter what we say in regards to, you know, picking up uh, players, we always seem to be wrong because Jason Christ has his own head about things and what he wants to do and players he has his eye on. Um, and it, it it's, seems to be always, no matter who is in the news, that's not the guy that we get. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it's it's it'll be really tough to you know you know we're looking out there at, at Quintero, but of course the fire have his um, you know have his rights. Um, given the the news that's come out you know today as we're recording this, um, it seems like they uh, they might be trying to drive up the price a little bit, trying to get some more money. And um, I know I mentioned to you earlier today that I, I think that. Uh, I, I almost, because of that, I almost think that that's not what'll ha- be what happens because um, you know there'll be there, there's only so much money uh, Orlando's going to want to spend it wisely and and I don't know that that's the best bang for the buck uh, to fill the needs. I think uh, Jason will look to fill the two needs that we mentioned and he's and he's going to do so in a in a fashion that's not maybe the the big uh, flashy, splashy uh, signing that uh, uh, Orlando City fans, at least the ones that tweet at us, always tend to want. So, um, you know, who is that going to be? That I don't know. I'm looking forward to, you know, the next, you know, two weeks to see what the heck happens. But, uh, of course, as Jason has proved time and time again, it, it he, he seems to he seems to do the thing that we don't realize or we, we don't expect and then, uh, oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes it turns out for the best. Yeah, I think he's there's a pretty good uh, track record since uh, Nikki Budalich and Jason Kreiss have teamed up uh, in the uh, on the technical side. Uh, I think you you know nobody saw Scott Sutter coming. Um, we were all talking about Gregory Sertich, and and all of a sudden it was uh, it was not Gregory Sertich, it was Jonathan Spector. I think we can all agree that turned out okay. <laughs> Um, yeah. You know, I, I think that he's strengthened this club to where it's got pretty good MLS depth. It probably could be a little bit better. But I think if you look at it across the board, when everybody's healthy, 
it's a pretty good depth for an MLS team when you consider, you know, if, if Ramos is healthy, you've got two very solid right backs. Uh, you got Toya and PC, so you're pretty set at left back. Um, you've got, you know, Spectre, obviously. Everybody that's played with him has played well, at least for long stretches this season, uh, except for Leo Pereira, who's only had a few starts, and even he has played quite well at times. Um, mm-hmm. So I think you're you're seeing a pretty deep defense and a good mixture of, of uh, experience and youth in, in all of those spots. So um, then you look at the defensive midfield, and you got all defensive midfielders all the time. Uh, <laughs> you've got Nocherino, you've got Carrasco, you've got Aguita, you've got Will Johnson. All of those guys can play that role. Um, you know, then there's also Tony Rocha who can play defensive midfield or fullback. So there's just tons of depth in that spot. Then you get to the little thinner pockets of the team, especially since MPG left uh, with the attacking midfield. Definitely need another center mid. Um, You definitely need another striker because right now it's pretty clear that Jason Christ does not trust Haji Berry to step into that role because he's always uh, going with Giles Barnes as his uh, go-to guy uh, instead of giving Haji a a chance at it. Um, So he's not showing any confidence in in young Haji Berry. But I think you're going to see some guys moved out this this transfer window. Uh, And I I would be remiss if I didn't thank Mark – was Mark Johnson – yeah. Okay. Mark Johnson, thank you for your question. And also thank you for reminding me of my favorite uh, 1980 U.S. gold medal hockey player um, <laughs> by the, the same name. Uh, and, and, you know, we were always going to talk about this. The Cantero thing, to me, uh, I've never bought into it. I've never bought into the hype. I, and I've seen the the transfer fee that they're talking about is anywhere from seven and a half to 12 million is, is the range that we've seen in the, in the, you know, in the news um, and in the reports that we've read, it doesn't seem to be the kind of money that Orlando city would splash on a player like that. They balked at, at spending 10 million on Chicharito. Um, yeah. So it would, it would really surprise me if they spent that kind of money. Now I, I realize that what's going on now in MLS is kind of an arms race and you're kind of having to, to buck up and you're going to have to, but I, I think you're going to have to find somebody in that two to $4 million range that, that, that DP that can come in and really solidify the midfield, you know, your Piatti's, your, your Almarones, your Alessandrini's, those guys, uh, you know, they're not easy to find, but once you get a hold of one, uh, you got to hold on with dear, for dear life. So that's the kind of thing that Orlando City really needs. I don't think this team is far away, Dave. I think we saw yeah. that early in the season. We saw that the team can hang with good teams. They beat New York City twice, including at their place. Um, you know, they've they've played well at Toronto. They, this is a team that can scare anyone. And I mean, you look at the LA Galaxy. Don't have a good record, but they have five road wins, and they came here and couldn't win. Uh, when they were right. beating everybody on the road, they couldn't win here. So, you know, it's a team that can win. They just need a little bit more sharpness in that attacking third, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit more determination, a little bit more energy. Um, you know, if this team, you know, if Chicago wants Quintero, all they got to do is give us a comp. Why don't they just do that? Because that would that would, that would work out for us pretty good. That's exactly yeah. that. I mean, David Akam is exactly what we could use uh, opposite of Kyle Lahren up top. Exactly. Cool. Not only that, but just not having him score against us would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. The the, the five or six fewer goals against a year would be nice. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's it's funny because there are guys that kill you, and that they don't necessarily kill every team. But I mean, 
you, you look at it, it, Josie and Giovinco, they do pretty well against everybody, but they really, really torture Orlando. David Akam has always tortured Orlando. Uh, another guy that's always done well against us, CJ Sapong and, um, and Dominic Oduro. These are guys that, you know, even if in years when they only score like eight goals, six to eight goals a year, two or three of them against Orlando. Right. So, you know. <laughs> so we could just yeah. get one on our team. So yeah. at least even if they don't score a goal, they're not scoring against us. Yeah. So anyway, I think those, you know, we've, we, I think we've covered our needs pretty well. I think the attacking midfielder and, and striker uh, are the definite uh, areas that you need. I also think that they'll, get younger in a few spots. I think they're going to, whether that's moving guys up that are like, we've already seen Pereira and, uh, and Richie Larea and maybe making more time for Richie Larea by moving somebody out. I, I think these are the kinds of things we're going to see. I think we're going to see some maneuvering this window to set up the next off season window. And I yeah, know that's, I, I know that's not what people want to hear. People want to hear about the, the, the new hotness that uh, they're going to bring in to put us over the top. Uh, but I, I think that this staff believes they're close and that uh, if they can just add one to two pieces uh, and without splashing a, a ton of cash to do it, I think that's probably the most likely route they'll take. Well, not only that, but then that that sets you up for later on, like you said, uh, for January. If you can if you can address some needs right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, stay above the line, uh, you know, accomplish the goals, making the playoffs, things like that, and then you know, build towards the future at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, okay, you could go out and spend a ton of money and, and try and and you know win it all, and it may or may not work out. But if if you're really trying to build something. You 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 can't do just the here and now. You have to do the here and now and also the future and going forward. So um, I, I agree with you. I think uh, uh, you know we'll, we'll see um, we'll, we'll see a little bit of attrition. We'll see some some pickups that we don't expect and that will turn out good. And then um, you know we'll have a much more fun time. And it'll be nice for us because you know January you know we'll be back down to once a month. So it'll, uh, it'll, it'll be really nice uh, for us to be able to talk about something then. Yeah. And I'll give you 7 million reasons why we should be excited about this off season, Dave. I'm just oh, saying, yeah? just saying seven, seven million, huh? Seven million. Yeah. I can only guess what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I think there's, uh, when we, when we hear about, uh, getting younger, I think, uh, when you, when you've got a, 35-year-old DP that's making $7 million a year and in the last year of his uh, contract, and we haven't heard anything about a new contract by this point in the season, um, I think that there's a pretty good opportunity uh, that we might see um, that DP slot open up in the offseason. So, so we're going to have a lot to talk about is what you're saying. Yeah, we might. We might. I'm not, I'm not going to – I mean, you never know what can happen because there's so much at play. Chelsea thought they were going to sign Lukaku. So, uh, you know, obviously that didn't happen. So things can change pretty quickly. Things are, are pretty volatile in the uh, in the transfer market. Uh, but mm-hmm. it'll be, you know, it gives us more to talk about here on the podcast. So we're all for that. <sighs> all right. So Juan Quintero, um, I think if he came here, he might be able to help the team. Uh, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't hate the move. It, it's certainly a move that could help Orlando City. Uh, but there's, you know, there's never a guarantee and you know, here's what I'm reminded of. Obviously, I'm not equating these two players at all, but you know, Brian Rochez couldn't get on the field for us. We sent him back to his own country, uh, where he played pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, 
guy named Quintero couldn't didn't couldn't get on the field for Porto, so they sent him back to his country, uh, where he played pretty well. So, um, you know, I'm not saying those are the same things because you know obviously the level is is quite different between those two players, but I, I, you know it's it's a little bit of a warning sign for me. Um, you know, not being able to play in Europe's big leagues or, or get on the field or, or excel. Uh, there's a lot that goes into any team, whether it's chemistry, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, not being used properly, that kind of thing. Um, but, um, you know, it, it just kind of gives me pause at spending that kind of money. And, and so I, I've, that's why I've never really been a, a big believer that this move will happen. And if it does great, and we'll, hopefully it'll work out and hopefully he'll be our Miguel Almiron or our, you know, Ignacio Piatti or whatever, but, uh, you know, cause that's what this team needs. But if it doesn't right. happen, um, then hopefully, you know, I think Budalic and Kreis have shown that, you know, most of the moves that they've made have, have been positive moves, I think. Yeah. And, uh, the, the only thing that gives me pause in this whole thing is the fact that we're now trying to figure out Jason. And, uh, so that means that he'll probably take Quintero just because, you know, it'll make us wrong. Um, I, I joke. Uh, I, I agree with you. I don't. Uh, if he came, great. If it, if, but the only way that he comes here is if, uh, if they think that he's the right fit. It has nothing to do with the hype. It has nothing to do with the money. It has to do with if he's going to fit the system. If he's going to fit the team, um, regardless of whatever hype is out there. So um, if he comes here, it's because um, they they saw th- something that they wanted to uh, add to the team. And if he doesn't, it's because they didn't see it and they have somebody else in mind that is going to do what they want to do. And Jason Christ has to trust that player's commitment uh, to the system. And that includes playing defense. And we've heard, you know, we've heard rumblings that he's not a, a big fan of, of playing, uh, you know, tough defense, but uh you know, we heard that about MPG, and, and we've heard that about other players, and they've they've shown that that's not the case. And when they get under Jason Christ, that they are willing to do those things. So, um, right. yeah, if it happens, it means that Jason Christ is bought in. And if Jason Christ is bought in, then that's a, probably a pretty good sign because it is his system. And yep. uh, you know, and I, 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 I don't think that Jason Christ is going anywhere, even if this team misses the playoffs this year. So I think it'll be yep. at least another year. So. Uh, anyway, it's just the first day as we record this <laughs> of the transfer window. It goes it goes for quite a while. So so uh, so what's going to happen is between when we're recording this and when this hits, something's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. So we're recording this on Monday, and if you're listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday of this week, and we're not talking about that big blockbuster move that Orlando City just made, well, that's why because we've already recorded it. So. <laughs> There Just you go. talk about it in the comments. Yeah, we'll we'll address it next week in episode 95. Um, all right, so Dave, we're just about done, but uh, I do want to uh, talk a little bit about the, uh, the men's national team against Panama. Former Orlando City player Dom Dwyer scored again. Two caps, two goals for Dom. And um, uh, unfortunately, that goal did not hold up. Panama scored and made it 1-1 uh, in what was billed as the as the as really the match for the group. Uh, lead and now that this uh, has ended in a draw, it's all going to probably come down to uh, if both teams win their other two games as expected. Goal differential will decide the the, the winner of the group, but the two teams should both move on. Uh, you know, I felt it was a game that uh, both teams simply didn't want to lose. 
Um, you know, that's not taking anything away from Dom and, and, and getting his goal. I mean, good for him. Like you said, two caps, two goals. It's hard to have a better start for a, a player on the national team than that. Um, it's the... The thing that stuck out to me was I, I, I got a, a text from my dad, as, as listeners may remember, my dad is a, is a soccer fan, and, and he said, well, if he goes, I hope this isn't who uh, uh, Bruce is, the, the guys that Bruce is going to take uh, to the World Cup, because uh, if it is, then, you know, Germany's, you know, third team is going to beat them. Um, you know, it, it's, obviously he was being a little hyperbolic, but... Uh, well, you know, I mean, the, the Gold Cup team is never about what's going to no. happen at, at, at the World Cup. That's never been what it's been about. And I was a little disappointed that Hedges didn't get the start at defense. But yeah. it was, I was very disappointed that Paul Areola didn't get the start. I'm, I've never been a big Joe Corona fan. I don't know why. It just He's just never really done it for me. Right. And, you know, he didn't have a great game uh, this weekend. And... Uh, you know, you got to have guys that can that can get forward, get the ball mm-hmm. in to your strikers. And, you know, from that midfield, when you play that shape, you got to do that. Dom needs service. I never thought Corona was the right guy for it. I, I thought Kellen Rowe played pretty well at times. And I thought that uh, uh, Bedoya gave me more than I expected from him. I'm not again, I'm not I've never been dazzled by him as well. So, um you know, he had a he had a golden opportunity to get a second goal for the U.S. men's national team, uh, but a great save by the keeper uh, thwarted that. And you know, actually, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about that, I think I'm going back to the friendly against Ghana. <laughs> so I'm I'm getting confused. <laughs> I'm getting soccer overloaded here. Uh, but yeah, Saturday was a long day for me because I was trying to keep an eye on the U.S. I was covering the Pride game for the recap, and then I live tweeted the OCB game. And, uh, you know, all the editing. So, yeah, it's all kind of a fog. But, yeah, uh, Bedoya and Corona in that in that attacking midfield, for me, was always going to be problematic. Um, I, I would have much rather seen, like I said, Paul Areola. And I would love to see Christian Pulisic, but he's not with the team, so. No, he's not. And, uh, yeah, I think if uh, I, I think if he is, then I think that we probably win that game, honestly. Um, but, uh, you know, I agree. Roe had, uh, had a good game, and not just because his name sounds like mine. Uh, even though one of us spells it wrong, I'm going to go with me since he's a professional soccer player. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, you know, it, like you said, this is it's not not the team that's going to go to the World Cup if they go. So um, you know, it's um, Bruce fielded the team. He, did he did he field the team that uh, could have absolutely won the game? Nah, maybe not. Did he field the team that he needed to? Uh, yeah, sure. They they had they had the opportunity to win the game. They didn't. It, you know, you, but like I said, right when we started talking about, it, I, I think this was two teams that just didn't want to lose. Yeah, and it, Panama is a pain in the butt to break down when they play. You know, I mean, it's it's just one of those things. You know, whenever you play a Concacaf opponent, it seems like when you, if you're the U.S. or Mexico, and you're playing anybody in Concacaf, they basically just stay behind the ball try to counter and you know it's 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 tedious uh panama is actually pretty good at it uh they're pretty good at, at parking the bus guatemala is another team that's actually pretty good at parking the bus and and uh and waiting for their opportunities but um yeah in the end it's a point and um you know i don't expect martinique wednesday to be much of a problem and um you know i i, I think that uh, both both these those two teams will probably win their games I think probably the U.S. 
given uh, their past history and, and some of the some of the flashes that we've seen so far, I think by the middle of this tournament they'll they'll start to pick it up offensively, and I think that they'll win the group on goal differential. But uh, uh, we'll, we'll see because that's not you know it's not written in stone. But as long as they get through to the knockout round, that's all that really matters at this point. Absolutely. So, all right. Uh, next week when we reconvene, Dave. Uh, we will have plenty to talk about, although there won't be an Orlando City game. We have the uh, the I-4 Derby we'll have to talk about. We'll have uh, mm-hmm. the Pride against FCKC. Uh, we will have uh, the the last two group stage games, the uh, Martinique game, which is Wednesday night in Tampa, and uh, the Saturday game against Nicaragua. So um, we have uh, plenty to cover. And then uh, the Gold Cup quarterfinals will start on Wednesday the 19th. So, um, and then throw in there whatever the heck happened during the transfers. (laughs) Yeah. If anything happens, you know, this team is, I think every year and every transfer window, we get a ton of interest from our readers and on Twitter, you know, what's going on? What are you hearing? And it's like, basically, have you, have you met the lions? Do you know what Orlando city does? (laughs) They wait until the transfer window is just about over. And then you start hearing the rumblings and then the signing. And then two weeks after the transfer window closes, the uh, international paperwork finally goes through. And then you get the guy for the last uh, five or six games. So (laughs) that's generally how it works. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't make this stuff up. This is just how, no, no, no. Uh, just know, going off of history. Just yeah, an observation that the, you know, the summer windows, it's like, remember, um, uh, I remember Antonio Nocherino arriving just before the season started and not, you know, not dressing for the, the opener and getting introduced at halftime of that game and that kind of thing. Um, you know, uh, we've seen it time and time again. Uh, Marta got signed from the pride and of course she missed the first game and most of the second game. And right. it, it's just the way it goes. This, this, they don't hurry. They're, they're very deliberate. They get it done. And then we have to wait forever for the stupid uh, international paperwork to go through, which is really what drives everybody nuts. Because it's like, well, why can't they just send a fax? Why can't they just send an email? Let's get this done. <laughs> and, you know, you would think that in this day and age it could be done like in a day, but that's not the case. It just doesn't no, happen that not. way. So anyway, Dave, uh, that will pretty much put a fork in episode number 94 uh, of the Mainland Podcast. Again, we want to thank Kristen Edmonds of the Orlando Pride for being our guest this week. Uh, thanks to Jackie Maynard from the Pride Communications staff for setting up that interview as well. Uh, we're very appreciative. Uh, please uh, give us your star rating on iTunes and uh, help us you know, reach new audiences by uh, leaving us uh, feedback on iTunes. And, uh, of course, you can read our stuff at themainland.com. Uh, like us on uh, Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at the mainland. Uh, he is Dave Rowe. I am Michael Citro, and I'm going to sign off the way I always do by saying, "Go City." <laughs> <laughs>